Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm Jason here with Brian as always, and we are going to jump right into it today. We're not wasting any time. We know that it's the season of Father's Day, and Brian has somewhat of a secret prepared. He's going to he's going to read something, a speech or a quote of some kind. He hasn't told me what it is, and that seems a bit unfair since I kind of look at myself as a co-host of sorts or at least a high-end assistant. So, I have no idea what it's going to be. But that's going to get us started today for our topic. All right, it goes off with this. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus closes by saying, Whoever hears these words of mine and does them shall be likened to a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Of all the rocks upon which we build our lives, we are reminded today that the family is the most important, and we are called to recognize and honor how critical every father is to that foundation. They are teachers and coaches. They are mentors and role models. They are examples of success and the men who constantly push us towards it. But if we are honest with ourselves, we'll admit that what too many fathers also are is missing missing from the too many lives and too many homes. They have abandoned their responsibilities, acting like boys instead of men, and the foundation of our families are weaker because of it. You and I know how true this is in the African-American community. We know that more than half of all black children live in single-parent households, a number that has doubled, doubled since we were children. We know the statistics that children who grow up without a father are five times more likely to live in poverty and commit crime, nine times more likely to drop out of school, 20 times more likely to end up in prison. They are more likely to have behavioral problems or run run away from home or become teenage parents themselves, and the foundations of our community are weaker because of it. How many times in the last year has this city lost a child at the hands of another child? How many times have our hearts stopped in the middle of the night with the sound of gunshots or, sh- or a siren? How many teenagers have been seen hanging around on street corners when they should be sitting in a classroom? How many are sitting in prison when they should be working, or at least looking for a job? How many in this generation are we willing to lose to poverty or violence or addiction? How many? Yes, we need more cops on the street. Yes, we need fewer guns in the hands of people who shouldn't have them. Yes, we need more money for our schools and more outstanding teachers in the classrooms and more after-school programs for our children. Yes, we need more jobs and more job training and more opportunity in our communities. But we also need families to raise our children. We need fathers to realize that the responsibility does not end at conception. We need them to realize that what makes you a man is not the ability to have a child. It is the courage to raise one. That was given in Chicago, 2008, on June 15th of Father's Day, by Barack Obama. And I thought it was a profound speech that illustrated a true issue in our world. And it is interesting that our whole foundation point of our ministry is dealing with the fatherless issue. And so it came to my attention as I w- we are doing some other podcasts and and all of the things we talk about, I believe are relevant. But I never want to lose the focus of what 
Mission 300 is about and what the spirit of outbound life is about is introducing the father to a fatherless world. And I want to stay focused on that, even with Father's Day, of not just talking about the issue of fatherlessness and not talking about the effects of fatherlessness, but dealing with how Jesus introduced the father and what does a good father look like and how do we begin modeling back into that direction. And this is something to reiterate that we've seen here in America, we've seen over in Thailand, and the people I've talked with in my life, this this is an issue that spans culture, spans government, spans continents. It's so interesting to see this one thread run through. And Brian, you've mentioned this before, but you had talked to, I think it was the director of probation about this years ago, and there was a realization that they had. And what was that conversation like? Because I remember you sharing it before, but if you if you wouldn't mind putting it out there again. Yeah, and, and this is important because this is not just something that affects the black community. It affects the white community. It affects the Asian community. It affects the Hispanic community. It affects every single culture, race. It is indiscriminate towards any application. It is at the core of every foundation. And so when I met with the, the, the uh, director of, of, this, uh, the, of programming for the Ministry of Justice, they asked me a simple question. What is the core issue that affects our, uh, why kids are in the probation system, why they're in prison, and the problems in our society? And this is coming from a Thai culture, Thai society. And I looked across the table and I said, there's only one core issue. It's the issue with the father and the home. And there was this long pause that seemed like 25 minutes. It was only probably actually a minute, but it was a long pause. And she looked down then looked back up and she goes, that's our problem too. And it really kind of exposed this on a grander scale of what's really at the heart of the issues we are, we deal with in our world. And we also know that we can never truly know the Father without knowing Jesus, because Jesus is the one who modeled and introduced us to the Father. And ultimately, that is at the core. But this is the next level that's affecting our world around us. And I think it's important to focus on that, not just in a season of, well, Father's Day is around the corner, because this is something that we have focused on for years. The entire the entire foundation of Mission 300 was built on this. Um, outbound life was birthed out of this concept. And if I think if you peel back the layers of all the problems in the world, just think of everything that you've experienced as a listener. I, I've thought this through myself. Everything that I've gone through, every every issue, every problem, it's it's a surface of a deeper issue. And when I look at the world, I see that same thing. There's all these problems, and we'll we'll see a problem, and we'll address a problem. Another problem comes up, we'll see it and we'll address it. But if there was one core thing we could get to the bottom of, it would be this idea of fathering. It's it's kind of like when I look at the problem of human trafficking in the world, and I've talked with people about this for years, it's it's one thing to go and rescue people out of that, which is important, and you have to you have to deal with that. You can call that a surface issue, and it might be, but you do have to deal with that thing on the surface because it doesn't mean that it's unimpactful just because it's a surface issue, but what if you could actually affect the people behind that level, the people perpetuating this system? 
then you could cause lasting change. And that's the same thing that happens when you start to bring the father back into a family. And not just from a physical sense, which we'll probably get into this later, but that's why Jesus referred to God as Father so often. And it wasn't until he came that people started to really see a shift in that perspective. And that's why it was considered blasphemous at the time. Because think about it for a minute. What if you actually thought of God as your Father and not as some distant being? How would that change your perspective? And so it's just so interesting to me to see in a spiritual sense, that's the core issue. And then in a natural sense, Virtually every problem we have in the world stems from a lack of fathering in the home. I don't think it's a coincidence that those two things correlate. No, and we can, if you've listened to us long enough or heard me speak, we talk about how Malachi preaches that the world would basically go into chaos. The closing book of the Old Testament is Malachi. Now, for the theologians out there, we know it's not sequential, but it is very telling of why that was placed as the last prophet. And the last two verses of the Old Testament said, says this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he will turn the hearts of the father to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. In other words, in order to put things back in order, in order to bring our relationship of humanity and our relationship to God back, the father-child relationship was critical. And I just find it very fascinating that that is what John the Baptist does. Jesus says that he came in the spirit of Elijah. And he said he turned, in Luke, he turned the heart of the father back to the child and the rebellious back to the father. And it's, it's very telling that this is a picture. Ultimately, our world can never be changed until Jesus returns. Jesus is the answer to that. Why is he the answer? Because he reveals the relationship between the child and the father. He is the one that brings us to the father. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. It is in that relationship piece that we begin modeling that in our life of that father-child relationship. And we are not we decided not to do any disclaimers on this podcast today. So I'm not going to disclaim the importance of mothers, the importance of, of those pieces. What I am going to say is we've done so much in our society to eradicate the, the typical family, and eradicate the role of the father and almost make it embarrassing, almost making it shameful to say there's the father is important in the family. We always want to try to make roles equal. I'm going to tell you, roles are not equal. Our world is not built on equal roles. It's built on equal value of humanity. It's built on equality of each individual is equally valuable in the sight of God, but their roles are different. It doesn't mean one role is better than the other role. It doesn't mean one role trumps another role. It means when we get into our role and we function within it, that is when society and life has the best growth and the best influence. 
And it is important as we go forward in this that it's we won't apologize for the role of a father. I won't want don't want someone to apo- apologize for the role of the mother. But to try to make one the other is damaging to society. And it is so contradictory to our roots and our faith in Jesus Christ and our faith in who God the Father is that is part of the reason why there's so much confusion and chaos. And so we'll get into that. I would even add that, um, or just a different way that I look at it, it's the, the roles are not the same. They are equal in value. They are both crucial, the father and the mother, but they are not the same. And if one is absent, you cannot overcome that absence by filling in more of what is there. So if the father's absent, you cannot fix that problem by just adding more of the mother's presence in. It does not work that way because they bring different things to the table that are crucial. And if one is not there, you've got a really, really big problem. And for some reason, and maybe we'd get into this another day, it does seem like there's been this under the table, not even under the table, this overt push to either remove fathers from the home, remove the necessity of them being there, or to replace them with something else. And I look at that in a spiritual sense as well, which is why I think, in in my experience, one of the biggest problems for, for believers, it's not a lack of belief in God. It's that they see Him as a loving, relational being, but that relationship is somehow distant. So, yes, God's my Father, but He's up there and I'm down here. And that's the same as having a natural Father who's never around. And you can never really count on them. So, so my point with that is we have to start seeing God as a present active father. And in a natural sense, we need men to start rising up and to be those present active fathers in the lives of their families, because that is not something that can be replaced. You know, Jason, you, you brought up that men need to start rising up. What, what is their example? What should it look like for them to rise up? I think sometimes, and I know you're going to explain that a little bit more, and we'll talk about that more. A lot of times we tell people to rise up, fix this, get this in order, do this. That is a really short-sighted um, way of doing that, and I know, I know you will bring clarity to what you're meaning by that. Without a disclaimer, that the rise up terminology, I think is is something that. Um, is a remnant from a different way of thinking that's kind of stuck in my programming there because it's not, it's not a man. You need to suck it up and and rise up and, you know, just clench your fists and buckle down. It it doesn't work that way. That's that's not. I I mean I remember that being the message preached in the church and preached in the world when I was growing up. That in a in a spiritual sense, man, you need to just rise up and be better. You need to stop doing bad things and start doing good things. And for some odd reason, that just didn't take hold because shockingly enough, that's not how human beings are designed to operate. And so it's not a, man, you've been slacking, you need to rise up. I think it's more of a shift in perspective of what a father is and what that role is for people in a spiritual and a natural sense. And those two, they might be different branches of the same tree, but there's a lot of similarities there. I hope that clears it up a little bit. I, we've talked about this so much together, so for everybody of you listening, I know exactly what Jason was saying, but I think this is a kind of a, a good picture. How many times do we have an idea that we communicate what needs to happen, 
but we we don't show what needs to happen. Jesus said, I do what I see my father do. In other words, there was something in his relationship that he could see it being modeled. Mm -hmm. Even when he looked at scripture or he looked at uh, an, an event, he could see his father's handiwork in it so he knew what to model. And I think that comes into a bigger picture of this. So in our current day and age, um, when when this is so under attack, you go look. You go start looking at some at groups that are promoting any idea, and go look at their mission statement. One of the things that they will say is the reason our world is this way is because of the family. We need to change the family. It needs to be more communal, more village raising, and they don't even mention father. It's like father's trying to be eradicated. I remember there was one version of of the Bible that was trying to be translated, and they were going to make God genderless. Can God relate to the two genders? Yes, but he gives different roles and functionalities with him. Well, well, Brian, which one's the most important? They both are. So what is the role of a father? What should it look like? Well, if someone doesn't have a father, how do we start implementing that so they can see what a father looks like? Because obviously, do they need another father to come in their life? Yes, but what if it's not their real father? Well, we can still model and show the imagery of it so that way God can have his way and start raising up fathers to father the way he fathers. And there's actually some characteristics that come out of that. So um, a while ago, you were talking to the guys in our program over in Thailand about what was it that changed them and help them see something different. And there was a few things that they all mentioned that stood out. And then we had some conversations with guys here in the States, and a lot of the similar things came out. And so there's almost this underlying thread of what a father figure looks like, and I guess brings to the table that helps change people. And that's, it's the same in, in every country, every continent. Do you remember how they phrased those things? Some of the highest points that they made was, one, they knew someone believed in them. Two, they had the freedom to grow, but they also had something they could see of how it actually worked. And we did this through different types of events. We did this through different activities. So look at how that applies to God as well, because the first thing that you said there, one of the first things, someone believed in them. And we hear all the time about how we need to believe in God and trust in God and have faith in God. How often do we talk about the fact that he believes in us? So the picture of God seeing you as an individual and seeing something of value in you and being willing to walk alongside you to bring that out because he believes in you. And it's not, it's not a matter of, okay, you need to do this to prove yourself to God. You need to do this to impress God or to serve him or to benefit the kingdom. It's, it's nothing like that. Because with none of my children, do I look at them as, you know, I can't wait till they're old enough to start mowing the lawn for me. Can't wait till they're old enough to start doing the dishes for me. I mean, there's those thoughts that pop in once in a while, but that's not why I had children. So the idea that God is a father that sees something in you and believes in you and will actively walk alongside of you to bring that out and to grow that, that's pretty amazing. When you're bringing bringing these concepts up, a lot... We're, we're, there's such a diverse group of people listening of, well, I didn't want to start a family. I got stuck with a family. I, this happened. Or 
you don't understand what I grew up in. I don't, I don't want that. I want something different. And again, why, why are all these models faulted? Or why, why are some good models and why are some bad models? And it really stems down to what our view with God is and how we see him as a father. And, and if you're like, well, you don't realize what he was like in the Old Testament. Well, Jesus knew what he was like in the Old Testament and how did he behave? Jesus became the model of what a father-child relationship looked like, what a father-son relationship looked like. And it was an interaction. Jesus did things. He didn't always stop and say, God, what do you want me to do today? God, what do you want me to do today? God, what do you want me to do today? God's not telling me what he wants to do, so I'm just sitting here waiting. He just did because he knew his heart of his father. He knew the spirit of his father. He acted in that way and he would interact and he would he would grow and they fellowshiped. He didn't go to pray to get something. He didn't go to pray to accomplish something. Is that important? Yes. Was there times he made a prayer like that? Yes. But his relationship was completely different. He already knew what he had. And so now what God was doing, it was bringing out what he had been given and enlarging that. So that way he was functioning as if the father was there doing it. But yet he did it as Jesus. So what if someone doesn't have a, a picture or a a mechanism to relate to in a natural sense. So a lot of people grew up without a father or one that was distant or are now fathers themselves, not because of something they wanted, a position they wanted to be in. So we've got all of these, you could say, wrong models of what a father is. And and how do we start to unwind all of that garbage and actually see God the way he designed fathering? Because, I mean, I'm not going to lie, that takes a while to undo, especially if you've grown up under an abusive father, an absent father. You don't even want the idea of God as a father entering the picture because the, I, the idea of that is just oppressive or lonely or depressing. Well, I think it all begins first with when he views us, he sees our value. When we're born again, the shackles of an old way of thinking are finally no longer enslaving us, but we have to embrace a new way of thinking. So where we're at today, I'm hoping in 10 years, my thinking and my view expands and expands and expands as I get to know him. So the idea you're fine just the way you are is not really true. You're not fine just the way you are. Because there's more to know, there's more to understand, there's more to grow in. So that becomes something that's that's critical. So he loves us right where he's at, where, right where we're at, but he sees what we really are. He sees that seed inside of us, and he's growing it, and he's he's changing us. So that's the first thing I think we need to know, is there is a sense of change. There is a sense of, I'm going to have to grow in these things. And so... But there's a hopefulness to it because what the Father does is he goes with us in that growth. He goes with us in that journey. So let me tell you a quick story that happened to me that really solidified this yesterday. One of our uh, staff, he had brought in a young man, and he, he, we opened up the field again. So we're back. We play football for, for an hour, and then we have time afterwards where we sit and everybody's They've burned off all their energy, and now we sit and conversations start emerging. And over this time, 
we don't come in with an agenda. I'm going to teach the guys these things. If you start listening, it is interesting that the guys will start asking the questions that actually tie to what you want to bring to them. So we let that. And so this conversation started emerging of uh, they're starting to own the responsibility of their life, but they don't know enough where to go from here with the lockdown and the country and the economy changing and all of that. But they were hopeful. So we started putting their brains together. And rather than tell them what they should do, I started drawing out of them what they are. What do you know? What do you know about this? What do you know about this? And all of a sudden, these ideas started coming. And you see their eyes just starting to open up like, yeah, yeah, we could do that. And I said, did you guys not create a football team? Yeah. All of you guys are different. You argued with each other. You didn't like who was playing what. You didn't like each other's roles, right? But you learned to figure all that out. So you put a team together. How'd you do it? Well, we kind of initiated the group, but then they started to bring in the life into it. And then, did you guys not create a football league that affects the whole city? Yeah. How'd you do that? Did you ever think of doing that before? You wanted to be a player before, but now you're actually building something. So what else could be built? What do you already know? that you could start putting together. And it was just great listening to them to think through creative ideas that can be done, just hasn't been done on a scale that anybody really notices in Thailand. But in that group, there was another young man that Um brought, and he waited after and he goes, I want to know more about God. And it was a very fascinating, it was like, they're coming and asking. And so... We talked a little bit, and then he came back this week. So today, or, well, it's today, your time, but Tuesday, last night, we were sitting there, and uh, Um was sharing with him about God and our program and, and, and just talking to him for a little bit, and I just stood with Um. So Um didn't want me to be the one communicating to him. Um wanted to learn how to how to pull out conversation. So I just stood there as a reference point for Um. And Um sharing, and every once in a while he goes, hey, what did, where does it talk about this idea or that idea? And so I would share with them, and then Um was doing this. What are we doing? It's not fathering in the sense that these are my kids, but I so believe in them, I don't need to be the one talking. So I'm helping Um be the one talk, and I'm just a resource for him. I'm with him. And you could tell something was happening in this, and I did not pick up on this till the very end. Well, this young man also brought another friend, and this friend grew up in Chiang Mai Children's Home. Chiang Mai Children's Home is a state-run orphanage. Not the best place to want to grow up. No parents. And so he's kind of sitting off on the side, kind of listening, but not really interested. And then finally, this young man that was hungry for God and Um's talking to, he looked at me and he says, why do you do this? And before I could answer, the other young man got up and came and sat right next to him and started listening. Why? And so I shared with him a story that impacted me of how a, a man that we had become friends with from church came to my door, knocked on the door in one of the most darkest times for me, and he didn't bring it he didn't bring my answers he didn't bring money he didn't bring anything 
all he brought was this one thing and it radically changed my life and it shifted why we do our part of the the mechanism of how we do our program. He only stayed for about 15 minutes. It wasn't long. And I was so depressed, so discouraged. And he just looked at me and said, Brian, I believe in you. I've seen what you've done. I know there's more in you. Just keep going. He didn't know even know what was going on with me. God just spoke to him to come and let him know I believe, he believes in me. Changed everything. My brain opened up. Hope came. Everything began to change. And the situation I was in slowly unraveled back into a, a greater sense than I could have even imagined it becoming from that simple interaction. God believing in my friend to trust him with the word, him bringing that word, sharing it with me before Google Maps when it was hard to even find where we were living, and it changed my life. So I said, the reason I do this is someone believed in me, and I believe in you. And he said, but what's your motivation for doing that? And then I began explaining why Jesus came to introduce the Father. And even though our role is to believe in him, we often aren't told of how much he believes in us. And he believes in us to raise us to the place that there's something so much more than you've imagined in yourself. And I explained the gospel. I explained how Jesus came in to introduce the Father. And when these two guys were done, their eyes were, were red, they were glossing over, tears were starting to come. And I go, do you understand what I'm saying? And it was this emphatic, yes, yes, that we want more. And so my question came, why did you come here? He said, because we saw the group and how it works, and we wanted to find out what was happening there because we want that. And so all of this to say is people are hungry to be fathered. They're hungry to know what the father looks like, and they're hungry to have that family connection of, of not just humans, which is critical, but God himself and how he invades all of that. And so it really brought back this, this whole picture how critical and how slow of a process it seems. This is why we don't like the idea of we need to bring the father back in the home. We need to establish these things because it takes time and it's slow. It's not that speedy answer like if we do this in the next 30 days, we're going to solve this problem. No, this, is, this, is, this takes time. And I'm so grateful that we've done our mechanism the way we have because we are starting to see all of that time, people are actually coming and asking, I want to know more about the Father. Do you think it's hard for some people to believe that God works that way too? Because it means they have to change their perspective on Him, but also change their perspective on themselves. I mean, we've got a lot in our culture and in, in Christianity built around the idea of, you know, I'm nothing but God is everything. I know nothing but He knows everything. So how would someone be expected to connect with a father that says, no, I actually believe in you, so let's go and tell me what's on your heart. Tell me how you would approach this situation. Because we're so used to just any time that anything of substance comes up, well, God's got a plan. Well, God's going to take care of it somehow. It seems like those things are at odds with each other. I think there's a, a, there's a place of truth for that. There, there is an element of that. But unfortunately, we've kind of surrendered the relationship side that we're kind of on our own to figure it out, and then God will show up. And even though we may not say that, that's kind of how we behave. 
And what would our world notice around us? Do we operate like that? I remember listening to a politician, one of the first prime ministers. I, I met him. He was in Colorado Springs. He was one of the first prime ministers of Scotland after they got liberated. Um, and they kind of became their own sub-nation group. And and I said, what is what is the main problem in in Scotland? He says, it's the youth. And he goes, There's, it's the drugs, the, the crime, everything. And I said, what do you attribute that to? And it was interesting, it tied into this fathering, but this was before I even really was, was connecting the dots on the father issue. This was many years ago. And he said, the number one issue is the belief that God wills and doesn't will, and it's random. And no one knows the will of God. So they don't care anymore. Hope is gone. Hmm. He said that belief's teaching has wrecked our community. Because what is the number one thing that affects our community is God himself. God being involved. God interacting. Jesus being in, involved in that. That's the thing that positively changes a community. But if your belief is that he's random, do you know that comes from an orphaned heart? If you've ever dealt, dealt with an orphan, or you've dealt with someone who grew up in an orphanage, they will challenge you to get you to quit on them. They will do things to get you to quit on them. Because they know they should, they they know no they can't trust anyone, so they're on their own. So they will actually do things to push you away. And we've had to go through this with some of our guys that one of them works in our program. And in the early years, he did things that would, would try to get you to just quit on him and cast him aside. And he was expecting that. But when all of a sudden I didn't excuse the behavior, but I didn't quit on him. And I said, together, we're going to go fix this mess you just created. But we're doing it together. And all of a sudden, he is turned into an amazing young man. Because that's all he's expected. Well, my father's going to leave, so I'm on my own. Well, I guess I'm on my own on this one. I guess I'm on my own on this one. And there, it, again, don't confuse being on your own with being an individual. Those are two separate things. As an individual, I'm still not on my own. I still need other people. I still need to unify with other people. But I'm responsible for me. Very different. So when I'm talking about you need to have personal responsibility, you need to be an individual, it doesn't mean you're on your own. You still need fuel to be that individual which is which is God. You still need relationship and models, which is the Father. You still need a pathway and salvation, which is Jesus. We still need all of those components, but you're still responsible for your choices. That is different than I'm on my own. And I think a lot of times we've built a relationship around God that we're just kind of on our own. We don't connect. He doesn't connect to me. I don't connect to him. I don't meet his standards. Therefore, who cares about any standards? I feel oppressed. And the truth is, all of that is, none of that is true. That is the whole purpose that Jesus had to become a man and go through everything we went through so we can relate, we can understand, so we can see, so it could be modeled. And as people interacted with Jesus, then we take from that spirit and we're around people that also were around that experience. And what I mean by that is, Jesus inter interacted with his disciples. They experienced him. Those around him experienced him. But those following after them 
interacted with the disciples who had that experience. And it begins progressing all the way down that there is a tangible human that has had an interaction with God connected to him as a good father. And then we begin modeling that around. And you have to be patient because you're going to be pushed away before you're actually going to be embraced. That's good. So we're going to be unpacking more of this in the coming weeks. And uh, actually next week we have Bernardo Porter back on the podcast. We're going to be talking about family and the influence and effects of that when you see that breaking down in different areas. But but one thing I wanted to let everyone know, and we, we both want to let you guys know, the reason we focus on this, with everything that's going on, there's there's issues over here, there's problems over here, there's organizations sprouting up over here to to solve something or attempt to solve something. All of those things, you know, some are necessary, some are distractions, some are important, but they're really all stems from this root. And we want to focus on this tree. We want to focus on this core thing because we found time and time again that this is how lasting change affects people. This is how this is how God designed his kingdom. This is what he he truly is. He's a father. And so we want to focus on that and we want to unpack that and you see other things, other issues and problems start to heal. But if this core thing isn't addressed, you might get a problem start to heal or scab over a bit, but it's just going to burst open and it's going to be worse down the road. So if we do things, if our father only does things for us, we're going to miss the relationship. If we only do things to get something from our father, we're going to miss the relationship. The thing that he desires is to do it with you. And that power of with is at the heart of fathering. That's a big focus that I hope everyone's taken away, and myself included. So for all of our listeners here, you've got to participate in this on your own, in your own way, and connect on that level. This isn't just something that I can just listen to and think, well, I listened to the right thing. I've got to make this active. I've got to make this something that I participate in with God right next to me as my father. So I hope that's something you guys are taking away. Again, we'll be on next week with Bernardo Porter to keep diving into this stuff and unpacking it even more. Until then, we appreciate you guys. We're in your corner and we want you to stay in the fight.